Welcome to the Cincy Postcast. I'm your host, Kevin Wallace, and we have a gigantic episode for you. In part one, we are talking all sorts of different MLS topics, including salary information and San Diego's big announcement on Thursday. In part two, we are joined by a very special guest, the co-founder of Cincy Shirts and local comedian Josh Sneed awesome interview with him talking all about the history of Cincy Shirts and their relationship with FC Cincinnati. In part three, we actually previewed that Montreal match that's coming up tonight, and that's going to be your Cincy Postcast. Joining me to talk about all of that and more, two gentlemen that had what I can only assume were lovely, wonderful bye weekends. Grayson, what did you do with your newfound Saturday evening? Uh, what did I do on what did I do on Saturday? Um, I don't, I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> that sounds like a good Saturday night. I sure don't remember. Um, some drink to remember, some drink to forget. I grilled. I grilled for the first okay. time this season. Hey, that's and, a good. Uh, that's a good weekend. And had some had some natural wine. Is there Grapes. unnatural wine? <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> I can, like I'm, not gonna, I'm not going to explain natural. I'm not going to sit on this podcast and explain <laughs> the natural wine fad to you. It tastes bad. It's fizzy. It's bitter. Uh, it's it's really expensive. Um, this sounds like an insult to my does, profession. Does it pair well with mango slices and cheese? I feel like oh, that yeah, was a snack that's last right. year. Yeah, I was having mango slices with my, uh, with my uh, 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 you know... Yeah. The fanciest man with my, in with my natty. <laughs> um, so I was in. So right after I first heard of of this, you know, natural wine thing, and the secret is that if you actually like go to Europe, yeah, and like Italy, France, everything they make is natural wine because okay. they they have like really they have stricter laws about about the processes. Okay. Um, but I was so shortly after I learned about this, I was in Joshua Tree. And we went to a uh, a wine and crystals shop, and <laughs> there like was a and yeah. Patrick. Yeah, and there was a uh, there was a woman walking around with um, kind of the whole Joshua Tree get up, like the black shirt with like kind of the the frill on the bottom. Um, what one of those? What I would call Coach? I call them Coachella hats. Yep, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Oh yeah. And she turned to the um, uh, guy working the register, and she's like, "Are all these wines natty?" <laughs> <laughs> and so every time I were like shopping for wine, I like to embarrass my wife by saying, "Like, oh, we gotta go pick up some natty." <laughs> That's college wine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chief, I know what you did on Saturday. So let me just briefly say was able to take the wife and kids to one of Ohio's great state parks and uh, underrated the stay at the. uh, I wish. No, there (laughs) turns out there is not an indoor pool at Julep's Park. No, we went up to Deer Creek if anybody has partaken in some of the the state park. See, that always confuses me because in. 
in the jam band scene of which your boy is a part. Deer Creek is the Deer Creek Music Center in Noblesville, Indiana. Very famous location with uh, the dead. Dave Matthews, Fish have all played multiple night stands there. So when people say, oh, I was at the Deer Creek, my first question is always, oh, who'd you see? <laughs> uh, so uh, not much. It was nice. They're renovating the place. It's going to look good in a year. Uh, no, but Chief, tell the people where you were this weekend. Well, uh, the Chief's side hustle somehow landed him in Montreal, Canada for a 36-hour trip that just happened to coincide with a CF Montreal home match. So yeah, I was surrounded by francophones. Uh, I was shouted out in French by a lot of angry soccer supporters for sitting down in the section next to the supporters section, which let me be very clear. It was the Toronto Montreal impact match. And somehow I was able to buy a ticket for $15 Canadian to this game. <laughs> so how important is your Derby if I'm able to get in for the equivalent of like 11 bucks American? The poutine <laughs> I got from a food truck inside this dump of a stadium, which was delectable, by the way, cost more than my match ticket. That's incredible. Yeah. Joey Saputo Stadium, I believe, is the full name of the yeah, stadium. there, Right next to uh, this um, Olympic Stadium which was famous for being the former home of the Washington Nationals. And um, when they were still called the Washington Nationals, <laughs> it was still called the Washington Nationals. They played in Montreal. It was very confusing. Uh, don't try to look it up. Everybody loves baseball up there. It's um, like the New York Jets. It's just same deal. Same, same yeah. sort of situation. No, it was, nice. it, it was nice. It was um, I highly recommend Montreal. I've spent significant time on a text thread trying to convince you guys that we need to do a road trip and rip off the no laying up content to do the FCC away match there. What better way to do our first road trip as a podcast than to a city where everyone greets you with bonjour. And if you attempt to be polite and say bonjour back, they start speaking in French at like 5,000 miles an hour. And then you have to <laughs> embarrassingly say, actually, I was just trying to be nice. I don't speak a word of French and just see the anger in their face as they switch <laughs> to English to start talking to you. I, I never understand the anger. I don't know. People get very weird about their languages. And um, yeah, it, it does feel like French speakers generally have that reputation. And um yeah, I don't know. I worked at a museum. I heard a lot of different languages and I always liked it when people tried their broken English and it was really fun. And we'd bust out our smartphones and try translation apps and, and interpretation apps. And it was the, this did all culminate in a meeting with some people that I was working for and uh, they didn't speak any English. I didn't speak any French, which makes for an interesting business meeting that yeah. was conducted entirely by typing back and forth to one another in chat GPT and having it translate for us. That's so scary because ChatGPT <laughs> could figure out what's going on and start inserting its own clauses. And <laughs> Everybody walked away from the meeting happy and I got to see a soccer game for free. So there you go. Hey, no, that's it's not too bad of a weekend. No, I are uh, our recording schedule got thrown off. And I got to say, it instantly became a top five, the post decision to move the recording day back because my God, this week has been just all soccer news all the time. Today in particular, a very busy soccer 
Newsday. Uh, we've got any number of topics to dive into first, but I feel like we've got to start with the MLS Players Association salary dump. This is always an exciting day. Um, this is something I, I do want to lay some groundwork here because I feel like people misinterpret what happens with this data, where it comes from, why it's happening. So this data is provided by the players union itself. It does not come from the league. Uh, we know how the league operates. The league likes its secrets. And so the union does this basically an attempt to subvert the league from being able to hide salaries and, and artificially depress wages by posting everybody's. Now, with that being said, this is the caveat I will tell you. The players union has an incentive, a knack for inflating some of these numbers. So what may be happening in reality may not always match up with some of these numbers. So a lot of times the full total amount of possible bonuses might be included here, or the prorated number might be skewed one way or the other to sort of force this number up a little bit higher, things of that nature. So that is not to discredit this information by any means, just so I just want to make sure people have that full understanding here yeah Grayson, and actually I know you've got some thoughts yeah yeah so um the the they report the numbers in two different ways they say base salary That's and guaranteed right. compensation and i'm going to quote from the the mlspa's uh website for what guaranteed compensation includes yeah. and it quote includes a player's base salary and all signing and guaranteed bonuses annualized over the term of the player's contract. This next part is important, including option years. Mm. So let's look at a player like Alvaro Barial as just yeah. an example. You look at the base salary number, it's $300,000. Guaranteed right. compensation is $519,000. $297. It's a big what difference. What is most likely going on there is that, and we know what happened with Barrial in his contract. His contract was not extended for guaranteed years, but he was given options for the two seasons after this one. That right. was his, you know, quote unquote contract extension. So what looks like is happening there is his option years over the next two years have fairly significant uh, raises built yeah. in, but he's we. That's probably not what he is making this right year now. for yeah. budget purposes because the player budget charge, while it is an average of of certain numbers over the term of the contract, the budget charge does not include option years yeah and so for, just, Alba, to, and for yeah. just to make it more complicated it doesn't matter so much for barial because he's he's a u22 player so whether <laughs> he was making three hundred thousand dollars or five hundred twenty thousand dollars um he'd have the same budget hit of of two hundred thousand dollars <laughs> but um it's, it's never not complicated with bizarre mls rules but, now, you and, know it may matter yeah. for somebody like brandon vasquez where it says nine hundred thousand dollars and the guaranteed compensation is over a million dollars. Right. We don't know what kind of raises or options 
the guaranteed option, the guaranteed compensation number for Brandon Vasquez might include. And MLS does allow you, so they don't let you do some things like defer transfer payments to the end or backload contracts, but they do let you build in some basic escalators, right? So Vasquez's contract could see him making $150,000 more each year for the next couple of years. Is that a possibility? Yeah. yeah with, a, with maybe a bigger jump okay. um, with an option, right? Right. Because an option is like, maybe the team is willing to go higher on that number. Yeah. Because if they choose to exercise it, it's because you've earned it and they're happy to pay it in most option yeah. cases. Yeah. Now, Chief, I want to bring you here in, in just a second here. I do want to explain budget charge because it's going to come up a couple of times here. So you have a salary cap and there's so many different various mechanisms within MLS that let you avoid salary counting against the salary cap. That's what you'll hear the expression budget charge. That is the actual dollars that is coming out of your salary cap, your your salary allotment, your allowance as it were. So you that's gam- that's money that's money yeah. you have to cover with some combination of the salary cap, general allocation money, or targeted allocation money. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's ways of of avoiding that. Like DPs are always expressed as not being counted against the salary cap, but they are. They have a maximum salary charge of whatever it is, $600,000. It's like $650,000 this year. Um, yeah. I think it's six fifty-one, Which is the max contract you can offer to someone before you have to start covering their contract with, with either a DP spot or with GAM or TAM. Yeah. yeah. And yes. then a young designated player like Brenner is a $200,000 hit, except for <laughs> under a certain age, or if you sign the mid-season, right. then they're is- only a $150,000 hit. Which so, so, which that matters for us this year, because if we do sign a young, young designated player to replace Brenner, he's going to be a $150,000 budget charge. This is right. all like the scene where they explain the playoff rules in basketball. Is 100%. What this is. It is. This is the we first need, time you crack the spine of the D&D rulebook. We need like Adam McKay to direct a movie explaining MLS rules. And it's Selena Gomez in a bathtub explaining I mean, like allocation money. A draft day movie, but it's just a new GM trying to understand the salary would be like a really good drama. Especially you're trying you to do a boiler everything. room type drama. Yes. Yes. Or, or no, like a United Passions drama, except it's about the founding of MLS and it paints like Don Garber as the hero that is keeping salaries under control and stopping these teams from buying too many players and ruining their own like branding. This, this you could have means- a scene of like Garber sitting alone in a room like thinking um, and like writing in a notebook and doing some calculations. And then the, the concept of allocation money, like 
enters his brain and it's like a beautiful mind the Hans Zimmer symphony swells and you can tell like time is passing because out the window there's like the leaves are changing colors and snows in the ground and then it goes back to the room and every square inch of the wall is covered in mathematical formulas until it finally just says gam and it's been circled like four or five times this means David Beckham is the uh, avalanche of this movie because he He's, he's the evil one who tried to raise salaries and force Don's hand. <laughs> Maybe he's the Adidas guy who, like, for some reason was selling gear out of his trunk in a gas station like parking a, lot. Like a rest stop parking lot in Germany somewhere. I, I think that was supposed to be Dossler, like the yeah. chief executive. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that movie was insane. Go back and find that episode. It's somewhere in the uh, the middle of the winter. And it wasn't supposed to be like a, a <laughs> nefarious situation. They just couldn't. No. Just they just couldn't help but couldn't make help. it shady. That's yeah. just what FIFA does. <laughs> but it, it is just, just two a, buddies doing business it, in a parking lot. Just underscores Cash the difference only. between uh, the difference between America and Europe is that in Europe you might find a guy selling Adidas gear out the back of his trunk. In the United States, you're just going to find lot lizards hopping from cab to cab if you go to a rest stop <laughs> like that. And one of those lizards was the CEO of one of the most famous apparel companies in in all of human history. Uh, no, Chief, what did uh, what what's jumped out at you? I guess what's the what's the bigger number, FCC or otherwise? But I think the FCC numbers were pretty interesting on this one. Yeah, I mean, you could do an entire podcast just looking at the numbers from all the other teams. But there were a couple top line takeaways I had from looking at this. Number one is. For all the ideas about FC Cincinnati trying to win, spending to win, wanting to be a winning team, we only end up ranking 15th out of 29 in MLS in total roster spend. So salary spend, salary spend, sorry, add in transfer fees. That's a good point. These numbers don't include transfer fees. Yeah. So that was interesting to me that this team is getting a good bang for its buck relative to other teams. Um. Other things that I noticed on here is what a roster remake to the number of international players we have now versus the number of international players we had during the night hmm. camp regime where we were routinely buying additional international spots to where I'm looking at this. And I think we could probably afford to sell another international spot based on the way the roster is right now. The other uh, yeah. big takeaway that I had, and it's something we've talked about here before, is they're still paying Yu Yakubo 1.2 million, according to this. That's just, just a staggering amount of money for a player that struggles to see more than five minutes a game or 10 minutes a game. He's um, getting paid about the same as Woboto, just to have that in people's minds. It's a little bit very, more. Very a little and bit so, more. A little bit more. <laughs> so you combine. Yu Yakubo, who can't see the field, with Dom Baji, who can't see the field. And you're talking in excess of $1.8 million in roster spend that is just for, I don't know. Like, <laughs> to the point where it almost made me wonder, and we'll touch on this, I'm sure, in a second here. Why didn't they use the buyout on Yu Yakubo? They could have freed up a ton of resources for this upcoming transfer window for a guy that barely plays. 
is it possible that Vermeer's contract went beyond this year? And that's like why they wanted to clean the books off now. I like, don't even want to know. Because <laughs> it's the only reason that came out to me, which I guess we should say right now. It was also made official what felt like 15 minutes before the salaries were posted. Uh, FCC did formally announce the uh, the one-time get-out-of-jail-free card buyout of Kenneth Vermeer. And I think they announced waiving him at the same time is my, is that the situation my there fucker was making three hundred eighty seven thousand dollars from fc cincinnati this year that is, i don't understand that either like yeah. how did his salary because didn't they drop this last year and he was only making like 90 or like a hundred thousand like I remember he was he making his, senior minimum yeah it must have been because the option it must have been because the option was a big raise that he agreed to that he agreed to take a you know, low guaranteed salary, but required a big and apparently easily hittable raise for the option. The team facility was like, was it had to be linked to the playoffs, right? He's, he's making more right now. Obviously it won't hit the, the, the salary cap this year, but he's making more than Alvis Powell. Uh, is so if you just want to have that frame of he's reference, he's making more there. than Alec Can and Roman Celentano combined, or Alvis Powell and Nick Haglin combined. <laughs> he might be making more than all three of the goalkeepers. I, I mean, that's it's close. <laughs> it's yeah. really, it's really close. What's Celentano making? Uh, so they're making combined. Laro's making so three hundred eight thousand. Laro and Can, and then Celentano is making another 112 on top of that. Yeah, he's only making like 50,000 less than all three of our goalkeepers combined. <laughs> wow. Yeah, actually, uh, if you go by base salary, uh now if you if you go by base salary, Vermeer is making like $500 less than all three of the goalkeepers combined. <laughs> What a brutal contract. Yeah. Pretty, pretty incredible. Um, but the fact yeah, that I, the fact that Vermeer's um, base salary and guaranteed compensation were identical tells me that there was not even an option for that, that, that this was truly okay. the last year of his deal. Okay. So, yeah, to Chief's point, it does make sense. I mean, at a minimum, though. They must see the value in having Kubo as depth for this year. For one point two million, you have to. You also have to eat the money, right? Like it's it's money out of ownership's pocket to yeah. spend one point one million dollars to buy out Yuji Kubo, and then what or, he walks or spend three hundred eighty thousand dollars to buy out yeah. Kenneth Vermeer. But you're also yeah. you're paying Yuji Kubo no matter what. Like he's getting. Yeah, you're also point- paying Kenneth Vermeer no matter what. Right, yeah. but like the difference is, is that you could pay you Yakubo either way and have all those resources available to. I mean, that's you want to talk about where you're going to find a center back. That's a center back. That's a great center back right there. It's not that's, all those resources because then they still have to carry Vermeer, so they're spending one point four million dollars for no no contribution to the roster. Versus yeah, they're not getting Vermeer as a backup because that is the difference. Is Kubo is serviceable as Kubo is a- like Kubo is the first midfielder off the bench and probably our striker depth as well going into the summer. Certainly an open cup starter until 
you know, another round or two probably. Um, no, that is, I thought that was interesting. I thought too, I, I was really happy to see this. Uh, Nick Haglin got a nice little pay increase, about a hundred thousand uh, dollars on the year increase. So this is, this is a good story. I think I can tell this story. Uh, my seats last year, we're very close to the friends and family section for FC Cincinnati players. And a buddy of mine I go to all the games with uh, stands up cheering for Haglin, screams, pay that man more money. And a woman down the road screams, yeah. And we turned and looked. She goes, I'm his wife. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yeah, you, you, you probably would like to see that increase. <laughs> so yeah, she, can I, com- she can comfort herself by knowing that Nick probably has a job for life with this organization. Yeah, that's he's going to do all right. Although, I mean, if I was at Nick, I'm like, hey, man, I've a starter every day for a playoff team like I could probably make more money around the league if you're not going to pay me anymore. And uh, I learned today. Yes, that yes, this Nick is a good Haglund fun fact. has started every MLS match that Pat Noonan has won as a head coach. <laughs> wow. They have not won a single game MLS regular se- regular season or playoffs under Pat Noonan that Nick Haglund did not start. Wow. I mean, the numbers don't lie here. This is this is big time. And he is. I mean, we saw it earlier this year. Yeah. When he was missing load bearing piece in this defense. He might not be like the most structurally sound piece or he might not be the best piece. (laughs) But if you remove that piece, everything falls down. They might have put the supports too far apart. So it sags a little bit, but you, you still can't remove one. Right, right. He's he's the computer with the sticky note. Do not turn off, or else the uh, the Fortune 500 company goes offline. Um, I thought I thought that was good to see. Uh, I I gotta I gotta shout this one out. Stephen Jimenez making sixty seven thousand dollars. That's uh that's a shit ton of money for a fifteen year old. I don't know how much money you guys were making at fifteen, but uh, there were parts well into my twenties I would have killed for a salary like that yeah, so speaking, i think i was making like 12 dollars an hour to sweep up vomit at king's island <laughs> right yeah uh about that at the movie theater um also to sweep up vomit that is a man who will never have to drink natty when he goes to <laughs> high school parties dude natural wine that's like 40 bucks a bottle minimum well he can pay it so <laughs> that's that's his version of a natter day <laughs> <laughs> so all right so i'm yeah. gonna throw this out there as we're looking at these numbers um as an FC Cincinnati fan, is it a bad take, a good take, or an indifferent take for me to look at these numbers and think, I'd like ownership to spend a little more money? It is, if you're in the camp of like, I want FC Cincinnati to be an LAFC Atlanta United type team, seeing how little is being spent on the DPs is not good for that argument now at the same time if you do look at the league-wide data it does feel like anybody spending big amounts of money on their dps is not getting that much more of a return uh ken posted this in the uh, the discord he had like the the 10 the top 10 highest paid players it might have been a little bit more than that top 15. There were only like three or four guys where you would want on our team. Like, do you really want 
Zierdin Shakiri, Bernadeschi, Herrera, Douglas Costa, like Christian Benteke. I don't know that I'm taking these guys. And they're all making, all those guys are making over $4 million, which is about what? That's Lucho Acosta plus two other DPs. All of our DPs combined for one striker or midfielder who's not as good as who we're starting day in and day out. I'm with you in general, but I do think in MLS there is a diminishing return there, and it really skews these numbers. So the the difference between roster spend, by and large, except for the fact that if you look at LAFC's numbers, there's no way they add up. That's bullshit. <laughs> um, but, if, but by and large, the difference between... Um, LAFC has something like 24, 25 guys making six figures. Yeah. And, and they don't do. have like enough homegrowns and generation Adidas players, much less other money to make that make sense in any way, shape or form. But that's that's I don't want to go there right now. Um, so the difference in spend is usually. And largely attributed to like what your DPs are making. and. I wouldn't trade Lucho for basically any of the the DPs making more than him. What I want to see from ownership, though, is recognition that we can't afford to lose production in his spot. And right now, he's like a top five designated player in MLS. So if, if you're doing a contract negotiation with him right now, pay him or you're not yeah. being serious, you know? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, they've spent a lot of money on transfer fees and I don't know like how to, how to a lot for that, but they paid $3 million for Obi. Uh, I think over $3 million for Lucho, obviously 13 or 15 million for Brenner. A non-significant amount for Isaac Atanga. If I remember three million. Yeah. I think 4 million for Atanga, 3 yep. million for, um, uh, Angulo, almost two million for Barrial, um, and so like I want to see that. I think it's very important that that continues. Yeah. With and you have to, they have to be good players, obviously. But like, I don't want you. I I, I want to see in the U twenty two spots and the DP spots that the team is spending money to fill those. Right. Like I want Brenner's. It doesn't have to be a 10, $15 million replacement for Brenner. But I want to see that, that they are committed to spend the significant transfer and salary outlay that it will take to find an adequate replacement for Brenner for this team to be where it should be. Now, when it comes to like the rest of the players, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of money to spend. Like I did some back of the math calculation. Uh, a guy who goes by troll in our Discord put the put the numbers in a spreadsheet, which I have uh, for up, us. So thank you. And so, like, <laughs> I took I took his spreadsheet, and I really appreciate that he put that together. And I, you know, tried to figure out. And I used so I did guaranteed comp and base salary, but I'm thinking that I'll go for this purposes on on base salary. So yeah. It seemed like we only have about $300,000 um, left 
when you add up and I didn't do it like as scientifically as I should have because I didn't spend enough time on it. But what I did was I just added salary budget gam and tam into one big bucket and said, this is the roster spend we have for budget charges. Okay. Yeah. Um, and from the base amounts under the roster rules in the uh, CBA, I had us at about $300,000 under the max we could spend. Hmm. And then I looked at some of the trades and we have uh, for 2023, we got $400,000 for Viasia, $175,000 for international spot from Nashville, $100,000 from Calvin Harris. $50,000 from Johnny Nelson for the expansion draft and $75,000 for trading the allocation spot to Toronto uh, late last year. Um, there was also this squishy $25,000 in an allocation spot in incentives from RSL, but I couldn't figure out that we had actually gotten whatever. I don't know what the incentives are for the allocation spot, but so I couldn't, so I'm not including that. I'm um, glad and then, the allocation spot can still give us some money despite not existing. And then, <laughs> and then our trades out are fifty thousand dollars for the discovery rights for Yursa Mascara from Portland, fifty thousand dollars to go to the top of the waiver roster uh, to pick up Foster, and a hundred thousand dollars for. Junior Moreno's incentives, which I found per uh, Steve Goff's reporting. Nice. But there may be more for Moreno because that was up to 175 and I couldn't find any confirmation that that had been hit. Uh, and then there's this additional conditional game for Santos. Interesting. That we don't know. Oh, yeah. But, so that's somewhere between zero in like million, $650,000. Right? That's a lot of money That's out a there. Big spread. So <laughs> So for for net game trades, we have somewhere between approximately $700,000 positive and like $50,000 positive. <laughs> Who can tell? So we are somewhere like I would say safe bet we are barely in the black of what we can do from wow. a roster standpoint this year, we will get Brenner off the books. So we'll have a little bit of room from him moving, but it's a reduced amount because he's only taken up $200,000 right now. So we'll only assuming we sign a young DP, which is the expectation we'll only gain quote unquote about $50,000 of budget relief for this year. Welcome to yeah. MLS, the league yeah, so, where everything is made up and the points don't matter. So I, I, in my numbers were a little different from what Ken has on the CST site. I encourage people, if you really are interested, to go yes to look at the roster tracker on the CST site because Ken shows his work and he does a really great job on it. And um, I was actually like throwing questions his way uh, earlier today, like trying to figure shit out, but. Um, <laughs> The, the 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 net of it is that the only thing I'm confident in that we could actually add this year yeah. is a U22 and a young designated player. Like so I am confident no I'm yeah. confident that with Brenner coming off, we have enough space for those two spots. Now, depending on how the GAM incentives for Santos and all that stuff worked out, there may be some other room for like well, wouldn't we buy depth? 
wouldn't we, by definition, have the room to replace the three hundred eighty-seven thousand roster charge that Kenneth Vermeer was making too? No. Well. No. Well, so I'm already I'm already accounting for that being off. Okay. Like my um, my my you know back of the napkin math was not even accounting for that. Do you not want to say calculations? Because anytime you say my calculations, you immediately sound like a fucking nerd. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yes. <laughs> so yeah, the only thing I'm kind of, so, but those are spots that they can spend in, right? Like they can right. spend a hefty transfer fee and salary for a young designated player. They can spend a hefty transfer fee on a U22 as long as they keep their salary under approximately $650,000. Yeah. So anyway, Damn. my point Damn. is my, my my overarching point is there is room for significant additions. There's not room for a lot of stuff unless you know they sell an international spot for another 175 or or Santos for whatever reason didn't hit any of those conditional incentives on the GAM. Um but there's also not space for ownership to have spent more. Unless you think they should have spent more, except for giving Lucho his deserved raise and making right. sure that you're maxing out on these, I'll say uncapped, but like cap, cap hit limited uh, roster spots, which are yeah. mostly, mostly filled. You could buy Barrial down off of his with Gam and then sign like two U22s and Brenner. That gets a little squishy depending on how much gam you have right so yeah so if we want more gam for more room to do this if my memory is serving me correct oh, here and sorry please also mls is just allowed to give teams more gam yes because the, the gam reported is like minimums and <laughs> so no one knows but it's you have to land on the chance and then pick the right <laughs> card that says gam error in your favor <laughs> or like, depending on the house rules, if you like, if you land directly on free parking, there's more gam there too. Which, by the way, do not play with that rule. If you don't like the game Monopoly, it's because you're playing with that rule. That rule breaks the game. Don't give away free money in Monopoly. The the goal of the game is to make people go bankrupt. Anyway, um, so if we were to sell Alvaro Barrial for five million dollars in the summer. Does that not give us a million dollars of gam to play with? So if you sell Barriel for $5 million, he came in at less than or equal to $2.5 million. That means that you could... Roll 2d20 to determine how much discretionary spend you have left. Now, you do have advantage here, so... <laughs> you, could, you could convert about a little over $1.1 million. What if of I that sing, transfer fee into GAM, so that becomes I, you know roster spend. What if I have my character sing "Song of Negotiating" to try and attempt to raise the price that we're selling Barrial for? It's going to depend on what your initiative was here. We're going to have to <laughs> we're going to have to space these these turns out properly. Um, no, this is this is nuts, um, and I appreciate you, Grayson, walking us through this because I, I, I do think the overall point is a good one, which is FCC doesn't have a ton of flexibility to bring in a player like Junior Moreno or a, a ton of interleague plays, but they do have the ability to sign potentially 
two U22 players, which is like an Alvaro Barriel or Marco Angulo type player. Uh, and as we all expect, excuse me, a young designated player to replace Brenner. Is there anything else that we want to touch on with this salary stuff? Because I, oh, I, I, if we sell, if we sell oh, Vasquez. Yeah. What do we get? Let's assume you can Vasquez. get up to, up to one point. Well, I'm going to say $1.1 million. It's a, it's a number that I don't want to say because it's too, too many numbers. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, but you don't get any gam for designated player. Right. So and, nothing, no gam for Brenner. And you don't get anything if you don't make their transfer fee back, if I remember correctly. That's like money laundering, basically, in MLS's eyes. So if you pay $20 million for a player and flip him next year for $5 million, you don't get to profit off of that $5 million. The league is recognizing you took a $15 yeah, million it's, hit. It's all, it's all, it's after you've recouped your right. out of, your out of pocket uh, acquisition costs. So, yeah. So, if you're if you're looking at this, there's a lot of incentive to sell Barrial and Vasquez this winter, potentially this summer, depending on what moves are lined up. And if you are hoping for a massive roster overhaul for some reason, I don't know why you would. The season's going great, but you're probably saying goodbye to at least one, maybe both of those guys. So the interesting. Only other, the only other point I'd I'd make is just shout out to Junior Moreno, and I know we dog on him, but Ray Gaddis and uh, and um, Alvis Powell, they are in terms of the look at this roster. Yes, they are the the heroes who are holding it down along with Nick Hagland while making incredibly reasonable roster hits. And that was we've said it before on here. That was the true failing of the Gerard Nijkamp era is that they just he just didn't maximize the players that were making 200,000, 300,000 and still contributing to the team. And this team is getting quality minutes out of those guys at a very minimal cost. So, yeah, I'm glad they're here. Yeah. Malik Pinto as well. Sixty seven thousand dollars making the same as the 15 year old. And he is I mean, give him another year. Well. Yeah, he's he's gonna be pushing for his starting role if if his progress keeps going, and um, yeah, uh, I saw this too. The Athletic put together an all budget team. Uh, no FC Cincinnati player made the all budget team, which wasn't terribly surprising. Uh, but Roman Celentano made the bench. He makes half as much as Chicago's. Uh, is it Chris Brady? Chris Brady, Brady, yeah. Chris Brady. Uh, so he's making half as much as Chris Brady. Now Brady is leading the league, or at least in the top five of most of the advanced goalkeeping metrics. Where Celentano is somewhere middle of the pack, but. There you go. That's that's what we're looking at there. And um, yeah. Oh, the other thing I was going to say, the Athletic did a giant analysis, did a quick word search for Cincinnati, and we didn't come up, which I'm going to say is massive progress for this franchise. Uh, we were in some <laughs> of the charts, but they were by no means called out um, or even, uh, you know, scolded for what they were doing or or, or praised. So I'll it's take progress, I'll baby. take middle of the road, baby. <laughs> uh, good deal. Uh, also around MLS, because this is, you know, a ton 
of topics here, a topic buffet, as it were. I want to touch on this briefly. USL announced the USL Super League, which is their women's league. Now, this had been announced previously, but what was announced today was their intention to pursue D1 sanctioning from U.S. soccer that would put them at least on a sanctioning level on the same as the NWSL. They also announced, I believe it was nine or ten initial franchises, uh, one in Lexington, uh, there was a Tampa Bay one not associated with the Rowdies. There was no mention of the uh, North Carolina Courage or Racing Louisville, who are NWSL franchises owned and operated or at least shared ownership group with USL franchises, a Ford Madison group, all sorts of things. And I bring this up because, Chief, I know you have been one that has been highlighting this. FCC may have some reservations about getting in to business with NWSL. It's a league that has had any number of leadership issues. Could On we and see? off the field issues, yeah. leadership yes. issues, issues with how these teams are managed, how these teams are run. Um, yeah, it's. I've been hearing rumblings that Cincinnati, the FC Cincinnati brass, are not firmly convinced on the viability of the NWSL. Now, hmm. having said that, the NWSL seems to have all the advantages in this space. They have first mover advantage, which is huge in all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, they have a TV deal with CBS. Now, a TV deal is only as good as the amount of money it's paying your league, but at the very least, it's visibility for the NWSL. But this is something to keep your eye on because the NWSL, despite having all these advantages, does not pay a whole lot. And as we've yeah. seen, the NWSL kind of lost a lot of the advantages that it had because European teams and European leagues got interested in women's sports and started offering a lot more money than the NWSL was paying. And if it wasn't for the fact that most of the American women's national team players don't hold the same, I don't know what I'm looking for with this word, the allure of Europe just isn't as strong for the women's game as it is for the men's game. Well, so the, the, the women's national team used to blackball you yeah. yeah. if you went to Europe. And even though Europe was paying more than NWSL, it was not close to what you would earn as like a regular mem member of the uh, women's national team. Like, I think it was, um, I think it was, I think it was Lindsey Horan mm. who was playing for PSG. Yes. And just didn't get called up to the national team the entire time that she was playing at PSG. She came over to NWSL immediately back in the yeah. roster. And isn't there something, too, about the fact that the women's national team plays so many more of these cash grab friendlies and that the teams aren't obliged to release for a lot of these because they fall outside of FIFA international windows and whatnot? I, my understanding yeah. of how the international window system works for the women's game is not great, admittedly. But yeah, I, I'm I am very curious to see how this shakes out. And if you're an FC Cincinnati fan that is a supporter of the women's game, not necessarily a supporter of the NWSL in particular. Keep your eye on this space with the USL um, Super League, because despite what you might think or believe, 
the NWSL and the MLS very much view each other as competitors. They yes. are not they are not aligned in any way. There is not a strategic alliance between the two leagues or anything like that. If that changes at some point, then maybe that changes the calculus here. But I would I would keep an eye on this if you were a FC Cincinnati fan. Yeah, especially when the NWSL has so few teams and two of those teams have USL owners uh, is the way I'm looking at that and USL ownership groups that it'd be a pretty devastating blow to that league to lose two big franchises right off the back joining this new league. Um, and yeah, you're going to see an they might lose their IP that could very well be because true. I think NWSL, Owns I'm pretty sure and they may lose their roster. I'm pretty sure too. NWSL is organized like MLS, where it's a yeah. single entity. Yeah. And the the owners of each team are actually just like the owners of MLS, and then they operate yeah. their individual teams. I remember that coming up in um I'm blanking on her name, but the the woman who wanted to play when she was 15. Oh, and yeah. she was under the uh, um, under the minimum age and um, NWSL argued it wasn't like a boycott because they were a single entity and right. the court the court didn't buy it. So right. she's so she's playing in the league now. But um, yeah, you have to sue your way into the league. That's really great. That's a good again. NWSL, fantastic leadership over there. This, uh, is, no, this it, is apropos of nothing. My friends and I used to have a saying back in the day. It could Olivia be Moultrie. That's you could it. be Maurice Claret. So speaking of people <laughs> yeah. who try to sue their way into things, um, it will be interesting too. This this women's league, the Super League, is going to be trying some of the things that a lot of pro rel truthers have been emphasizing. So they do not intend to do a draft. They they believe in their academy system enough. They will also be doing Chiefs' favorite of the European schedule of going autumn to spring. Never mind, this league's dead on arrival. <laughs> I didn't know that. That changes everything. Fuck this. Well, league. think about this. If you're Phoenix, or if you're again potentially a louisville and you have a stadium why would you double dip your dates through the spring and summer and fall when you can just stretch it out the other way around and now you've got a primary tenant all year it's great it's great you better hope global warming increases <laughs> it will be interesting to see how this rolls also i mean does pro rel come to the women's game before the men's game? Um, and uh, there's no women's open cup, which will probably need to happen. If both of these leagues, the NWSL and the super league managed to survive together. Um, last point here that I think we want to touch on unless I'm, Oh my God, I, I was missing one. I'll just touch on this briefly. Uh, San Diego is going to be announced on Thursday. I don't know that there's too much more to talk about here other than, it's kind of annoying that they won't be using their own stadium or a stadium they own. This is the first time I can think of that Major League Soccer has fully backed out of this promise. It's also uh, the first time somebody paid $500 million. That is true. For expansion <laughs> fee. There is yeah. a point where it probably stops counting. <laughs> but yeah, that is that is going to be a massive uh, change. And then... Um, great away day. San Diego's a great away day. <laughs> 
Should be a cheap flight out there too. Should be fun. And then um, we've got uh, for for Brandon Vasquez fans, we got some sad news for U.S. men's soccer, U.S. men's national team news. Got some great news. Uh, Flo Balligan, I believe, is how we've decided to to pronounce this name, has committed to the United States. He's filed the one time switch that came out from FIFA today. That is, uh, I mean, look, he's an Arsenal product. He's tearing it up in the French League right now. I believe he's the fifth leading scorer in their league. He's 21 years old. He's on loan from Arsenal. And, yeah, you got to think he projects out pretty well as a starter for 2026. But I don't know, Grayson, if you're, if you're Brandon Vasquez, how much more appealing does Mexico look right now? <laughs> um, I, I look. I've said it. I think I think Vasquez's role with the national team is always going to be a. I mean, if he if he gets into the A team, right? Right. Like, I don't think Flo's going to be playing like Gold Cups. Maybe I'm wrong. But if, yeah. if Vasquez gets into the A team, I think his best role is is as a is as a sub. Yeah. As a you know, we need we need a goal. We're going to change up the look. I think it's pretty clear that they want to play with the ball. Even I expect this not to change, even though the coach is likely to change. That they want to, that they want to, you know, play with the ball and interchange among like the front, the front players in a way that just isn't, um, you know, Vasquez's forte, yeah. Yeah. which is not. I mean, players just have different styles. It's fine. So I think his 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 competition is probably like your Haji Wright. Your um, PFOC, yeah, guys who who need service like that. That's his spot with the national team, and I think you know if he just if he just produces like we know he's capable of. Um, I don't think Flo really changes his his situation. Yeah, yeah. I also hopefully hopefully yeah. encourages him to go on a scoring streak here, go on a tear, solidify your place. That would be very nice. I'm also, I just have to say, he's, Valiant's had one good season. And now, granted, it's been an incredible season. Do not get me wrong. Um, he scored six goals against uh, the top four in France. Like, it's not like he's just beating up the, the, small, the small teams over there. But it is just one season. And we have certainly seen players come in and have one really good season. I'm not going to say Brandon Vasquez here because that would be mean and not being an FC Cincinnati fan of me. But we've seen this before. Josie Altador was an incredibly hype product. So it'll it'll be interesting to Altidore see. Altador never goes. produced at this level, though. He did not produce at this level, but he had this hype. I mean, he was a kid who, if I remember correctly, only started playing soccer late in high school and still was. I mean, I think he's still a top 15 transfer out of MLS uh, to the Netherlands from New York Red Bulls. So, I mean. We've been down this road before. I always, I am very skeptical of the, of the uh, U.S. men's national team hyped youth product because I'm still waiting for Emerson Heinemann to captain a. Uh, There's a difference between team. a hyped youth product and a guy who's put together, you know, <laughs> no ni- nineteen no. goals as no. a full time starter in a top five no. league. If you're trying real hard to sell me on how great something is for the U.S. men's national team, I'm gonna be skeptical until he shows up in the stars and stripes and actually does it. Sorry been hurt too many times before i'm not trying hard i'm just saying you know, <laughs> 19 goals in france this year no i, I don't know the, the last player that, 
the last player we've had the national team do anything anything similar to that was was Clint Dempsey. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that is the exciting part of this is it's it's even I mean he didn't come up as an American, you know, through the youth system so it's hard to get as hyped about that but yeah, like I guess he's done more than Pulisic did. So Chiaringa has how long let's put a number on months. How okay. long is it before Alexi Lawless hates this kid because he doesn't understand what it truly means to grow up American? I mean, negative three days, right? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's something that would have already happened. He didn't, he didn't stand and say the Pledge of Allegiance in class so that he can never truly understand what this means to put on this uniform. <laughs> it's, it's certainly good fodder for that. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be interesting to see who is, uh, I don't know, who his, who his teammates are, who his clickmates are, I meant to say, in that team. So. Well, he played uh, He played in England's youth setup with Eunice Musa, ah, and they were both in Arsenal's academy together. Boom. And then they'll probably Photoshop him into that photo with Mason Mount and Christian Pulisic so that it can be like, you know, hey, we're all one big family here. <laughs> yeah. With, uh, what was his name? Gideon Zellalem. There's another, you know, he'll, he'll be playing for Arsenal any day now. Yeah. So. <laughs> Neat. Uh, okay, that's enough about soccer. Let's get into part two here. I was very excited about this. We have on the show Josh Sneed, co-founder of Sensi Shirts, a comedian. Uh, I mean, he has a special on YouTube that I think has like four or five million views. Like this is this is one of our local guys that has gone on to do bigger and better things. And Sensi Shirts is an important part of the FC Cincinnati story. It's an important part of FC Cincinnati fan culture right now. So Josh was incredibly generous with his time. Uh, we we touch on the history of uh since shirts and their role with fc cincinnati and and yeah we talk about hell is real and the trademark in there so i think you're going to enjoy this conversation uh on the back side of this conversation in part three we're talking the montreal game later tonight uh so stick around for that get our predictions On joining us, a very, very special guest on the postcast. We've got Cincinnati's native son, born and raised Josh Sneed, comedian and co-founder of Cincy Shirts. Josh, how you doing tonight? Good, fellas. How are you? Oh, doing great. So happy to have you on. I... I have mentioned this before. I think we've even said this on this podcast that the story of FC Cincinnati cannot be properly told without <laughs> Cincy shirts being a part of this. How does it feel to be a part of history? Uh, well, it's a part of Cincy shirts history, you know, like uh, where this company is today is in large part due to the success of FC Cincinnati. And, you know, um, going back to, how we initially started, we started as a, a site that was just sort of a nod to all things Cincinnati's past. We were yeah. completely vintage when we started. And basically the story behind that is if the trademark had been expired long enough, we didn't have to ask permission to use it. Right. So we looked for old businesses that people who grew up here loved like myself, you know, the weird, the weird business. I don't, are you guys all from here or more or less. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So there was a, there was a, the Uncle Al show was a show on local oh, yeah. TV yep. and they were sponsored by Mama's Cookies. And I just have the most amazing memories of Mama's Cookies and the logo that whenever I would see it in a store, it would, you know, sort of 
bring about this, uh, you know, this reaction, this, you know, it would, it would take me back to my childhood. And, and I always, uh, even when we first started, which we first started as a, a funny t-shirt website. Right. So it was in like the busted tees, snorg yeah. tees days, you know, a lot of pop culture references, stuff that people would wear out to parties kind of stuff. And, and basically the, the origin of the company is that my business partner, Darren, he was a graduate of the art Academy here. And, uh, and I was doing stand-up comedy. And so we would both come up with the designs. He would do the artwork and then I would go promote the shirts out on the road at Mm. various comedy clubs. And I'd wear them to the radio station and try to get people to ask me about them. And we always kept a little bit of a Cincinnati section. And the first shirt that got us any press was just a black shirt with white text that said, even God hates the Steelers. (laughs) and people like word just got out about it and people started buying it and that was sort of the the genesis of of making sure we always had some kind of cincinnati content on our first site which was called look at me shirts and um okay through various parts of our company we partnered up with a place out in mason that had these really cool printers that could print on demand one at a time And that was something that we never had access to. We were always very careful about what shirts we offered because we had to do screen print runs, which meant you had to Mm. have at least, you know, 24 of them to make it worth making one. And, uh, and inevitably what would happen is we'd sell out of larges and then have like 11 smalls on the shelf and have to print 24 more. And so to have (laughs) the ability to print one at a time was like very enticing to us. And what else that let us do was print some of these old Cincinnati logos that we loved because mm. they had so many colors in them, right? Surf Cincinnati and caddies and all these places like that. And um, that's kind of how Cincy shirts was born was we were finally able to do an all Cincinnati website because, you know, people who are from here, they would go to Cincy shirts and they'd be like, I want every single one of these, you know, cause they, they remembered that grocery store, that amusement park ride or whatever it was. And so um, for the first four years, we were just online Hmm. and uh, we would randomly set up events like Brouhaha or Bunbury or, uh, you know, things like that. And people would be like, oh, I love your guys' stuff. Where's your store? And we would, you know, we don't have a store. We're just online. And then uh, after hearing that enough and then, you know, getting tired of having to cut off Christmas sales the first week of December, and missing out on those last three weeks mm. before the holiday, we were like, man, we it'd be awesome if we had a store, even if it was just for <laughs> December, you know? Yeah. I've, and, I've been inside your store yeah. the, the week before Christmas looking for a Christmas gift for yeah. someone. <laughs> yeah. And, and we would get emails and we'd be like, sorry, I had to order two weeks ago. It, you're out, you're out of luck if you want, if you want a shirt. But you know, um, we've we stumbled onto this piece of property on Main Street, uh, up near Central Parkway. Uh, and it had had like a clothing store in it, but the person had moved out. And so they agreed to give us a three month lease. This was in 2014. Hmm. Um, so they gave us a three month lease for November, December, and January. And so we went uh, on Craigslist and bought some fixtures from, uh, some different places that had gone out of business. We bought our checkout counter was from a bank in Lebanon. It was like 11 (laughs) feet long. I mean, it was like obnoxious trying to get it 
but it was only 50 bucks. So, you know, uh, and then we Damn printed it's going to fit. Yeah. Fit. Oh man. I'll never forget trying to get it through that door and over the Rhine. Just this, like, it was so dumb, but, uh, but it worked, you know, all we had to do was put some shelves in and, um, print some stock of what we thought was our best sellers. And that's kind of how it started. And we had so much fun there in November and December that in January we were like, you know, 2015 should be a fun year downtown. Like main vine street had kind of already come back at that point, but now main street was supposed to be the next in line for like, you know, a big revive. And uh, we thought it'd be cool to be part of that. Plus the all-star game was going to be here that summer. Mm -hmm. And so we are like, let's, let's stay on for another year. And so we did, and we had a blast. And then come fall of 2015, this soccer team gets announced, you know, and, uh, and I've, I've been a soccer fan my whole life, mostly and honestly, because my high school team, St. Bernard didn't have a football team. So everybody played soccer, like, you know, everybody <laughs> that probably would have played football at another school played soccer. And so for that reason, I've, I had been around soccer and I'd, I'd love soccer my whole life. And whenever they would announce that there was going to be a team in town, it always kind of felt like, yeah, but is it really, you know, it's like, you know, <laughs> yeah. they got, they're playing their games at 10 AM on a high school field somewhere. Like, you know, like Football I love the still thought of it on there. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, th but this one was different, you know, it was right away. It was different. It's like, they've got Toyota as a sponsor. They're going to play at Nipper. They've got, you know, Carl Lindner backing them. Like it just felt like, man, this, this might actually be the real deal for a professional soccer or the birth of it. And so when they announced season tickets, we bought season tickets. Like I was excited to just be a fan. And then they would, they released the Jersey and, um, you know, they kind of were saying what some of the stuff they had at their team shop on fourth street, which was so tiny. I'm sure you guys oh. remember that. Yeah. You had to be, yeah. you had to be buzzed in to go shopping. <laughs> yes, you yes, had yes. Somebody, let you somebody in had to, to come something. down from the office upstairs to let you shop. <laughs> That's so funny. And, uh, and so I reached out to, um, he was our, he was our ticket rep, but, um, he was also involved in the, in the merch side of things. And we asked if we could just, you know, maybe talk about making some gear for fans. Now this is in, this is in like October or November of 2015. So they haven't even played a game yet. Hmm. And, and that was kind of the reaction that they had when we brought it up. They're like, well, we don't really need t-shirts for anybody. And I'm like, no, just, you know, like stuff he, people can wear to the games that maybe, can't afford a jersey or or just you know just spirit wear and they're like i mean i guess you know <laughs> but it was we had i'll never forget that meeting it was me and darren and uh and ryan johnson and uh dan mcnally we went to eli's barbecue and uh and we just sat there and talked about it and they said yeah i guess you know and then, you know, so we started working on some designs. That's hilarious. Yeah. We started working on some design. And what was amazing was we had tried to get Reds licensing and Bengals licensing. And, you know, it was like, you can't do it for one team. You got to do it for the whole league and it's a million dollars. And this was, you know, the USL. And they're just like, yeah, the, no, we don't have to ask anybody's permission. Like, it's just us. You know? We're like, right awesome. Out, 
write yeah. the deal on an Eli's napkin with barbecue sauce stains. It basically like no was. <laughs> Dan will tell you that he, he'll remember it like it was yesterday. We, we all just sort of at this point look back and go, that was crazy that we had that meeting there and then like where things are now. Right. But, <laughs> that's, you know, that's incredible. Yeah. But then come the you know, that's was it their second game might've been the first game. If the weather hadn't been bad second game, they break the league's single game attendance record. And now you've got, insane crowds showing up for these matches and the team shop was not ready for it. They, they had not ordered near enough product. And so they're on their Twitter feed. They started saying, if you need shirts, go to Sensi shirts. They're the only (laughs) ones that have them. So, you know, that was the first time we'd ever had a line out the door for anything. Um, Other than our Ariana Grande shirt where she licked a donut right before she was supposed to sing at the all-star game. And we made a shirt for that that got some pub, but I think that was just because it came with a free Holman's donut. If you bought it. (laughs) (laughs) What a promotion. uh, Yeah, it it was, uh, but you know, that's kind of what, that's kind of how we were known is, is in the moment stuff, right? Like something happens. And and I think that that's obviously amplified now more than ever with, with our growth is, and and it's something that I'm actually proud of is it's kind of like, Something happened. What's what's the shirt going to be? What are, what are they going to do about it? You know, and yeah. so uh, you know we we rode the wave of of uh, the success in the USL. It it afforded us the opportunity to open our second store. You know, we solely we solely credit opening our Hyde Park store off of the success of of FC Cincinnati and the fans coming to buy stuff from us, and. Um, you know, and then Fiona happened and then that transformed our company. <laughs> you know, it's just weird. Like there's so many like, uh, you know, milestones that that we never, you know, we, or we'd always hoped we'd hit. But the reasons why we hit them, we're just still kind of scratching our head that it's, you know, yeah, a, a premature hippo in, in a minor league soccer team. It is is funny when you say that about FC Cincinnati, because I remember I took my father to a game right after the the team started and his comment when we were discussing, like, so do you think this is a fad or do you think this is going to make it was that he said, well, look at the number of people that are already buying gear. Like this isn't just people showing up in a we used to have a joke that was you wasn't really in a Cincinnati event unless you saw 10 people wearing a Carson Palmer jersey for no reason. (laughs) Um, the number of people that were showing up, even at those early season games, wearing FC Cincinnati gear yeah. was kind of like, yeah, there's people that are kind of emotionally invested. It takes a little bit more than just a casual interest to show up and buy a shirt or buy something that goes along with showing up to the game, just showing up with a ticket on it. So, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, I, um, you know, I know that we're going to talk about a lot of the, the maybe downsides of, of our our relationship with the community, but uh, you know, <laughs> over the course of this entire thing, and especially in the beginning, the way that we were embraced and, and the, um, the way that people turned out, I mean, like, you know, for me specifically, and I know Darren felt this way too, like it's hard to describe when you have this sort of idea and you hope it could get to something one day and it so slowly starts to grow to the point where you're at an event like that that everybody wants to be at or that everyone is at and you see someone wearing something that you created hmm. it's like I, there's like just not a feeling that like it's i still get it i still get it at bengal's games at reds games at anywhere that i go if i see someone wearing a shirt that our company put out like it gives me the same feeling as it did back then of like 
it's just there's just this surreal factor to it that's hard to explain but it's like i don't know the the pride that i that that i have when i see it is is something that's never lost on me you can tell you have a lot of pride in your work. I was going back through the uh, the old, old archives of the Cincy Shirts blog, which if you ever get a chance to go back and look at the comments of your first couple of posts, it's great because some spam bots found it and it's all people talking about how this pastor that they know like cured them of all of their ailments and now they're a great lover and you can find out more at this website. It's great. Your website <laughs> in, the, in the way back machine is, is lovely. No, but some of the some of the early posts are like, look, our design made NBC News and stuff like that. It's just great that that you guys have always had that pride in your work and in the city. And yeah, I think you guys have been fantastic advocates for the city. I'm curious. Can I ask then, you a question first oh, before, please, before please. I forget about this? Yeah, so please. you say that like I know I loved the brand shirts where it was like I owned one of your I think it was gold circle I had which I thought yeah. was just tremendous <laughs> yeah as as someone who this was what sort of got you started and as someone you just said you went to St. Bernard High School mm -hmm. do you have a countdown timer somewhere on your computer until the trademark expires for chili for time? chili time I yeah. knew you were gonna say it. <laughs> I was trying to get permission to do it before they closed you know I I'm in a I'm in a uh, text thread with uh you know people I went to elementary school with that I'm still buddies with today. And, uh, we have a whole list of like, we want, I want a St. Bernard section, you know I mean? It was such a Mayberry type neighborhood. Crosley's Crosley's is closed now. That'll be an option at some point. Video flicks, which was like the first <laughs> rental place, you know, uh, Germantown pizza. I mean, there's so many, uh, but yes, chili time has always been at the top of the list for like affinity for St. Bernard. Uh, designs. Yes. Chief, I'm glad you asked that. Have, did you ever come across any old businesses that you were sure the trademark was lapsed on that you found like, well, maybe not? <laughs> well, no, I mean, we, we, we really do do our homework because of the fact that we're like a real company now, you know, like I, <laughs> I, I talk about this in jest, but it's, just, it's, it's something that, that we take very seriously because, you know, when we're putting out shirts that say, even God hates the Steelers, like we know we're probably going to get a cease and desist from the NFL, but he wasn't married. I wasn't married. We didn't have, we didn't have children. We didn't have employees. I mean, it was Darren and I from 06 until we opened that store in 2014. Hmm. Like it would, we were the only two employees of the company. Right. And so there was so much risk that we could take back then because we were, you know, such a small potato that we didn't have to worry about stuff like that. And then now, whether it's, you know, what we're going to talk about, I'm sure here in a few minutes or, <laughs> uh, you know, talking about like race and the, the role that, you know, the riots kind of played, you know, with our store on main street during the uh, George Floyd stuff, you know, like when I get on a microphone, I, I have to remind myself, I can't speak freely you know, about my personal opinion, because there's, there's 30 people that would be affected by, you know, something happening to our company. It's not just me and Darren. Hmm. And so um, the first cease and desist we ever got was actually from Wendy's. Uh, it was when we were doing, a, <laughs> we were doing uh, funny t-shirts and, and a lot of them were very uh, like just ironic or randomness. And one of them had Dave Thomas on it. It was just like a line drawing of Dave Thomas holding a spatula. And it just said, damn, it feels good to be a gangster. That's all it said. 
And we got a cease and desist from Wendy's and like we so freaked out. Are Wendy's cease and desist letters as funny as they are on Twitter or are they very corporate? Oh, back then they were very corporate, <laughs> but, but it was funny. Like I'd never gotten one. So I didn't know how to respond. I was like, great. We're going to get sued by Wendy's and lose, you know, our four sales a day that we're getting. And uh, I wrote them this whole letter about how I'm, I'm so sorry. And uh, I'm a, I'm a, we're big fans. It was my first job I ever had in high school. I worked at the St. Bernard Wendy's and I still remembered the song that they taught us on the order to put the condiments on a, on a single. And uh, I, I mean, I like, you should have seen how much effort I put into this response letter. And, and they were just like, no, it's cool, man. Just don't sell them anymore. And I was like, all right, all right we'll sell them. Right. It's a uh, cease and desist letter. If you cease and desist, we're all good. Yeah. But I'm like, oh my God, they're going to take my house. <laughs> uh, I'll take Burger it, King for the rest of my life. This is terrible. Yeah, it's awful. Um, but the the we've gotten cease and desist letters from people who thought they still owned the trademark and thanks to us realized that they did not own it anymore. <laughs> um, caddies uh, was one of mm. them. Um, and then most recently, which is kind of cool for us is uh, the ABA, the American basketball association, <laughs> all wow. of the, all of the logos for the teams that the NBA did not consume into their league. The trademark lapsed on them. Wow. Um, they renewed like the Spurs and the Pacers, you know, there was a, a handful of them, but every other one they let expire. And we had started running uh, another website called old school shirts, which, you know, after since he was successful, we were like, we should do this for every city. So we started old school shirts and we started putting these defunct sports teams on uh, for all the different cities and a, and a trademark attorney out of Indianapolis said, Hey, uh, the NBA, you're on their radar, but I think you guys have a case that you have rights to this over the NBA. So hmm. as it stands right now, we are we're in line to own the trademark for the all the old ABA logos, which is crazy. <laughs> like that's insane to me. Yeah, the, the NBA didn't realize half of like it's like because they own all the video archives for all this when yeah. the merger happened, and they don't own the logos for anything that are being displayed. On yeah. That. Well, this guy out of Indianapolis, and to just pull me back if I get too far out into the weeds on some of this stuff, but I find it fascinating because it's you know I'm not a business major, like I'm a comedian who made t-shirts with his buddy like. <laughs> and um there apparently the guys who didn't get pulled into the nba from that league are um you know they're not doing great because they didn't qualify for pension and the nba kind of forgot him so this guy in indianapolis who's a lawyer started what he called the dropping dimes foundation and it was meant to help these guys who you know he's like talking about some of these aba legends that are like living under a bridge in indianapolis you know because they 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 couldn't afford anything they didn't have any money and so he was trying to help them out and that's how he discovered us and um and he's been he's been a great resource for us through that kind of stuff but it's just it's just wild to think of you know that something like that could happen by the aba and apparently or by the nba and apparently there's like a, a netflix series coming out about the aba so obviously we're very excited about <laughs> hopefully hopefully you see you see some business come that way no i mean there, there, there's yeah. no shortage of defunct soccer leagues in north america that you can start to figure out logos from too so they're I mean, probably <laughs> already on old school shirts i would venture to say i mean that's why if you go to cincy shirts you'll see like i mean the silverbacks and like all you know all all yeah. kinds of fun uh 
uh, old soccer teams here locally, but we've, we've done, there's football, baseball, you know, we've got a license for the, the Negro league museum now. Um, hmm. So we've got a, a bunch of really cool old Negro league shirts. And of course, MLB players association, like we're a real company now. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That's great. We've always talked about uh, FCC and MLS broadly should do a sort of like faux NASL throwback for these new expansion teams. Like what would FC Cincinnati have looked like in 1976? And what would that merch look like? What would that, uh, that kit have looked like? And oh, uh, man, or even See? like the MLS 1.0, <laughs> like those old school garish Kansas City Wiz, LA Galaxy, Tampa Bay Mutiny era things, the real baggy Umbro yeah. style kits. Like just yeah. do one one game a year where even if you didn't exist in the 90s, you get to develop and design something that looks utterly ridiculous like it was made during the Clinton administration. The Cosmos, like have like a the collared shirt. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That'd be great. Oh, no. I like that you got, I think you got the Cincinnati Comets on here. Yeah. Does somebody own Cincinnati Kids? Is that not I available? don't know. If, I don't know if somebody owns it or not. Um, we we acquired the trademark for. Um, Pete probably lost it in a poker game or something like that out in <laughs> Vegas. <laughs> oh man, we have the Stingers. Uh, yeah. Nobody had nobody had renewed the Stingers. Um, there's a wild. couple. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple that that we have that we're just like we can't believe that no one wanted it anymore. You know. And, uh, and on, and I'll fast forward to kind of, I know one of the things that we wanted to talk about because we're talking all this trademark stuff and there's a lot of things in between, obviously that we can go back and talk about. And I'd like to, but, um, when, when we do this kind of thing with a trademark, I have to let people know it's not because we think that we are entitled to it or that it's ours. <laughs> it's because we have found a, a way to sell product and, if we don't protect our way to sell product, then someone else will take it and shut us down. And so it's not, it's never comes from a point of like, we wouldn't tell the NBA, like, what do you mean? Like we created the, (laughs) (laughs) you're going to tell them you created the ABA defunct teams there, the the whalers, the the Columbus horizon or whatever. Yeah. It's like, no, we don't, we're not saying we own it, you know, but, but we have an audience that wants that stuff. And so if someone else, which if we didn't do it, someone else would come along, snag it up and then tell us that we can't print, you know? And so, you know, uh, to talk about the, the 800 pound gorilla in the room, like, uh, with the hell is real thing, you know, we had started, um, we had started doing that merch from the, from the first Derby at the request of the club and, and, and obvious to the fact that all the supporters from both sides were talking about it. It's like, it makes total sense for us to offer a shirt for this this matchup right yeah right and so um wait did the club ask you to call it hell is real or did they ask you to no just they do... just kind of said okay okay you know i mean there's a lot of stuff honestly like i mean here i go into the weeds again like gary the lion is a perfect example of something that was like all the supporters call it that but it's not official and then it ended up becoming official because <laughs> all the supporters call it that. you know what i mean so it's right, like right um you know so with the hell is real thing. Like we were, as far as we can tell, we were the first people to put it on a t-shirt, you know? And then, um, you know, what FC Cincinnati did for us, which was really cool when they, when they made the move to the MLS, we thought that that was it for us. Right. Right. Um, 
And then at the time they said, listen, we are going to talk to the MLS and fanatics about figuring out a way to keep you guys in the mix because you're such a part of our story, which I thought was very cool and something was completely unexpected. So I remember like it was yesterday, I was on vacation in Florida with my family and they said, Hey, can you hop on this call with the league and fanatics and us? So we did. And um, fanatics was basically like, we, we don't do, we don't do this anywhere else. We have, we have no local licensees for any team, but we think that this is a really good idea because you guys obviously know the, the market. And so they worked out a way for us to have a sub MLS license through fanatics to continue making FC Cincinnati gear, even after they moved to the MLS. And we were the only company in the country that was allowed to do that, which was really cool. It's pretty cool. And then in that call and through that process, they made it clear to us that one of the things that attracted them to us was how quickly we could put up a design and have something out for the public to buy off of something that was kind of like a viral moment. Right. And I think you can see where this is going with the first point shirt, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) but they said, we love that because you guys will be able to help us test the kind of products that resonate with fans without having some big investment to do it. Right. Cause they were like, you know, you guys could have a shirt online tonight. If something happened tonight, they go, we're buying stuff from Adidas that we won't get until next spring. And this was in like the summer. Right. right? And they said, that's just how these companies work. No one else can do this. So we would love to see what you guys can do with testing the waters for us <laughs> on moments that, you know, people are talking about. So fast forward to their first point. <laughs> We're like so excited. Cause up until that point, we've had the most amazing relationship with the fans. I mean, of course there's some that are just like, they don't get it. They don't understand the, the culture, you know? And, yeah. and we are just like, that's to be expected. And we put out that shirt as a tongue in cheek <laughs> joke, but also like, would anybody even want a shirt like this, whether the, because they think it's funny or as a souvenir from like this first ever. And we got, we got dumped on immediately <laughs> on Twitter. I mean, like worse than I've ever experienced with anything I've ever been a part of, you know, and I've been called fat Ryan Gosling in YouTube comments for the better part of a decade. Um, so I got to ask, as you're telling this story, when was the moment when you realized, Oh no, with the uh, the first point shirt, (laughs) honestly, well, here's the thing you have to understand. And and I don't know if you will understand this or not, but I think if I explain this in a way, hopefully you'll get what I'm saying. I, not being a businessman, I've always approached these types of moments as from my comedy background, right? In that my my reaction to things comes from, uh, it's it's basically the same thing as heckling me at a show, right? right? And you can't do that, number one. But my my whole point about people who don't think a joke is funny is if you're in the audience and you don't laugh at a joke, I don't have a problem with you. I don't call you out on it. I don't ask you why you didn't like it. 
I just move on and hope that you'll like the next one. Right. But if you are over the top vocal at me that you hated something, then you're going to get my comedian response to you. Right. Right. You can't do that in business, but I'd never had to learn that lesson. (laughs) And Darren was the same way as me, you know, because here we are like so proud of like everything that led us up to that moment. And we're, we're trying to put out stuff that we hope that the hard hardest of the hardcore fans will enjoy. And those are the people that are apologizing on the city's behalf to other cities <laughs> that we exist. So it's, it's right? kind of like, it's kind of like you can deal when a joke bombs, but this was your first time with a t-shirt bombing a little bit. Yeah. But well, it's like, I just couldn't wrap my head around, you know, we had, we had put out plenty of, you know, reds or Bengals themed shirts that didn't sell. And we're like, Oh, well, swing and a miss. We'll just keep trying. You know, we had never dealt with something where it was like, you suck. You are terrible. We are embarrassed to be associated with you. That was the tweet that set me off. Honestly, was some, I think it was a Nashville supporter group text said something about it. And some FC Cincinnati fan apologized to them on our behalf, almost like, no, we don't associate with this company. We are sorry <laughs> no, that they would even. No. And, and, you know, it was like, please don't judge us by this company. And we're just like, oh my God, what happened? And it started out in anger, right? And that's how our tweet <laughs> that is now infamous uh, got posted because it was just like, what happened? Like, what happened that? the people that we are trying desperately to get to like us are embarrassed by us and are making fun of us, you know, like, and that was our first kind of stab at anything in MLS. And we're like, have we ruined our shot at, you know, being this, <laughs> being this like a uh, partner on the MLS level when all we're trying to do is kind of figure out what's going to sell and what people aren't going to be into. And we used wording that I regretted. Um, you know, it, it, we, we quote tweeted some people that we felt were being overly harsh to us. And I wish we hadn't done that without removing their names. And I've told those people to their face as I've met them that I was sorry we did that. Um, but it was kind of like one of those, you can't unring the bell things. And um, it really set a tone that I still I'm not comfortable with, you know, that I had hoped people would move on from and and either give us another chance or be more objective when it comes to things that we put out to just say, eh, not for me. Let's see what the next one is versus like, I will never buy from you again. And that was kind of the attitude we were met with. And that, you know, not that anybody should feel sorry for us, but I mean, it hurts, man. It, It hurts to have that kind of pride in your business. And then all of a sudden you got the people you're trying to please going, no. I can say this, like no shirt since he shirts ever puts out will be as embarrassing to me as an FC Cincinnati fan apologizing to a Nashville fan (laughs) for anything. What's going on now? That's like, Like, that's the, that's a Twitter equivalent of the guy at the bar. Like, is this guy bothering you over here? I'm sorry. This guy's bothering you right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we, you know, that was the other thing was, um, you know, through that whole process, even prior to MLS, like we had, we had tried to be very vocal that we, we would love to work with the supporter groups. And, you know, some of them either had a t-shirt connection or maybe did them themselves. And, you know, I think they kind of, they kind of took a a bit of pride in 
not using a company and, and, and going through someone that maybe they had a closer relationship with. Um, but we, we had always had high hopes of, you know, being the go-to for the supporter groups whenever they needed something. And, um, you know, that's why we had bought a team at the bowling event. We were trying to like, like all we, and and Kevin, we had a meeting at our warehouse that one night. Um, and we were like, look guys, like, you know, all we, all we want you to know is that we're normal dudes that just like want to put out a good product and are, we're fans, you know, we're not calling out, uh, people who, you know, that, that was one of the things that I regretted was like saying we were real fans and other people weren't, cause that's not my place to do it. But I think other people thought we weren't real fans, which we are, you know right. what I mean? Yeah. And, and even today with this hell is real trademark, you know, I, I've, I've seen some of the comments and, and I, I feel like people talk about us like we're Walmart, you know, they, they talk about us like we're big box yes. t-shirt company, you know, it's like, we have like 15 employees and like eight of them are retail workers that work like six hours a week. You know what I mean? Like we are not big business by any means, you know, we we've had success here locally, but, uh, but I just, I read the tone in which some of the time people talk about us as though we're like this, like corporate, you know, entity that's just got endless funds and we're sitting up on a, on a high Hill that, uh, you know, counting our money. <laughs> that is Scrooge, just not the Scrooge, case. Scrooge McDuck style. So yeah. um, I guess let's talk about that for a little bit then with the yeah. idea of the hell is real thing. So yeah, when I've been around in the supporters movement for quite some time, and I'm old enough in this process to remember when we were actively researching to find out if the guy with the sign actually owned any rights to hell is real. And boy, did we learn some interesting things about that guy that I can never unknow. How did you, <laughs> how did you guys come to own the hell is real trademark? Let's set the record straight it's, on this. Yeah. It's very, it's very simple. It's um, I know, I know people think it came from a place of greed and it really did not. So basically we were making the designs for the match as it would happen. You know, once we got to the MLS level and it became a reoccurring thing, And we were notified that someone had filed for the trademark for hell is real. Now Mm. for those who, and again, this is something I've learned and maybe you guys already know this, like there's a lot of ways you could trademark hell is real. We don't have a trademark for the name or the slogan. We have it strictly for use on apparel. That's the only trademark we have of it. So even if that guy that has the barn owned it for signage or, you know, print. If he doesn't own it for apparel, then it's open for whoever wants to make apparel. Right. So we had noticed that uh, we got noticed that someone um, that had filed for the trademark for apparel. And it was, um, I I don't want to, I don't want to be wrong. So I'll tell you, I think I'm pretty sure it's like a, a mother and a daughter out of Columbus that were wanted to make hell is real apparel filed for it. And they provided a date on that trademark filing that was several years after we had already used it in commerce, right. Mm. Is what the lingo is. So we were, we were able to prove to them specifically that we had used it before they did. And our worry was if we didn't act and, and we didn't contest it, then that mother and daughter would eventually be able to keep us from printing hell is real merch. And we didn't want that to happen. 
So we filed to contest it and it, it never got past that because they were like, oh yeah, you guys did sell this first. So they turned it over to us and all our lawyer did was change the filing to our business name. And it has not been contested. And I don't know that it honestly could be just because I don't know that anybody did it before we did when it came to producing merch for sale, right? Yeah. And so the point of doing it wasn't because we felt we had a right to the name or we played any role in creating the name, that it was something that did not belong to the supporters or the club or the league. It was just, we don't want someone else to get it because we didn't get it and then shut us down. Right. So if we have it, that ensures that we can still print. And have you and, go ahead and say, have you had a chance to cease and desist anybody in Columbus? No, I'm, well, actually, I don't. I'll say, I'll say no. There is a company that found out that we filed it and is trying to fight us on it, and has continued to put out Hell Is Real merch anyway. Mm. And so, we're treading very lightly so that we don't come across the way that people are making the assumption of like this is ours and we're going to control it and make all the money off of it. We're trying to do it in a way that makes sure we can still do it and then help other people that want to do it as well, like have a say in it so that it doesn't go to someone who, you know, right. is, is greedy or the league or, or even the club, you know, um, because then no, nobody might ever get it back at that point. So not to get too deep in the weeds on the idea of intellectual property law, but there is in intellectual property law a concept that if you don't defend a trademark and you don't seek to protect your rights in it, then it can go away. Yeah. Is that what you're talking about right here? Just making sure that it doesn't go away because you're just letting anyone. Yeah. But, but, you know, and what really sucks and I, and I sincerely say that, that this sucks is that we've kind of been put on the defensive this week. Um, and I feel like no matter what we decide to do, we've, we've already upset people who aren't going to listen. Um, but we, so here's, here's our idea. And we'd love to figure out a way for this to still work. And I can't think of a better place to kind of share this. And, and if you guys have input on it, um, we thought what would be really cool is that if we could say, you know, whether you're a t-shirt place in Cincinnati or Columbus, if you want to do hell is real merch, we will license it to you for a 10% royalty, but that 10% will go to this that everyone's on board mm. with. Now, whether that's the crew merch, their 10% goes to someplace in Columbus that they all agree on is awesome. And then Cincinnati has their own, or if there's something that they could, they could agree on, right. That that 10% from anyone who licenses it from us yeah. goes to there. Then we would be able to defend owning the license. Right. But we won't really be, there will be no like, um, 
assumption that we think we're the only ones that should be able to yeah. make the merch. Does that make sense? Did I did I explain that right? That makes That's our dream. So much sense. And I I think you should do it as like there should be like some sort of trust, right? Some sort of charitable trust that this is thrown to. And whoever wins the aggregate on the year, all of the money goes to a charity in that city. And if it's a draw, it goes to Dayton. <laughs> <laughs> goes to buy that guy a new barn. <laughs> oh, boy. Not him. Not him. Not that guy. I've, I've heard stories. You disavow. sound like you. you yeah. <laughs> We're going to disavow that guy. Um, I mean, that feels like something that, that in an ideal world, MLS would have been out in front of, you know, and said, you know, we're, for the hell is real rivalry. It's even a competition between the fan bases of, you know, you buy the most merch, you raise all the most money for charity. We keep track of it. You know, I think you it's great. Little bragging rights. Yeah. I think it's great. And, and I, and I also will stand behind our company's history outside of the soccer world with our, you know, we're very proud of the money that we've raised for good causes. You know, we've, we've donated over a million dollars to different nonprofits in mm. our company's history, whether that's the zoo or DeMar Hamlin or the Australia wildfires or the Cincinnati Reds community fund, Ronald McDonald house, children's hospital, the cure starts now. I mean, people that we actively work with, I think could vouch for us that this isn't we're, this isn't a PR play for us. This is something that we take pride in. And when we have the chance to give back, we like to do it. And so that was sort of our intent when this finally came to fruition is like, how can we use this to like do good? Because the soccer side of things was kind of the one that we haven't really figured out, you know? Um, you know, so whether that's something that FC Cincinnati helps us set up or, again, that all the supporters groups could get behind. I don't know if we did. I don't know how we would figure out what that is that everybody could get behind, but I would love to figure that out. Like, that's part of our plan. And if people give us a chance to do it, I think we could do some real good with this versus right now where I feel like I'm I'm too much on the defensive of, you know, trying to explain how it happened. No, I, yeah. loved, I love the idea of... I love the idea of the tra of the hell is real branding and things like that, because the problem is, is that ideally you would want them to be supporter owned. But in the supporters community, let me tell you, there is no supporters group in Columbus or Cincinnati organized to own an IP for something <laughs> like this. It's just not going to happen. Um, you can barely file taxes. Right. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> like, you know, we're lucky Uncle Sam doesn't come looking. Um, but the idea of it being something where it's held by someone. And then you can anyone can use it, but there's a charitable component that's required to use it so that if you're going to make gear about it, you've got to a have a plan to do it. And B, it can't just be because you want to get rich off it. There also has to be something that's going back to the community of Cincinnati or Columbus or whatever. Yeah, no, I know. I think that, that that's as close to an ideal world situation for something like this as you're going to find. And I think that yeah, like I think there's a there's a there there I would think to that. And that and it goes back to your point of how we're able to defend owning it like in terms of protecting it so that we continue to own it and we can if someone doesn't agree to the terms then we're able to shut them down, but if both sides I would Listen, it's a lot easier to take some of the comments I've seen this week from crew fans that I know will never buy from us and that are just going to tell me how much they love homage more anyway, right? I get that. But 
it hurts when it comes from FC Cincinnati fans. So in an ideal world, I would love to have both sides be a part of it, find other companies that would want to be on board with this and really make something cool out of it because the passion is already there on both sides. Right. Yeah. And then, um, and then beyond that, it, it, on the legal side of things, it can continue to operate how it's supposed to within the legal world that we don't lose it. Yeah. Was the idea also that since shirts would donate 10% of their hell is real merch sales, if this became, you know, if it became more a thing, or less absolutely. the system. Yeah. 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 I mean, sense. all of I, our, we have a portion of our Reds. I'm sorry to cut you off, Kevin. No, all of, good, like a portion good. of all of our baseball theme stuff goes to the Reds community fund, unless it features a player that has their own charity or a charity that they are very passionate about. You know, our Nick Cassiano shirt was the picture that his son drew of him. We put that on a shirt with his permission a couple of years ago, raised $20,000 for the Dragonfly Foundation because mm. his kid who drew it picked the Dragonfly. And then Nick mm. matched it with 20,000 of his own when we were done. And Damn. so, um, you know, we always try to find some kind of a component to benefit from it. Um, the problem it's not a problem, but where it gets uh, harder for us to do is when it comes to licensed apparel from the league, because we're already paying 15% to the league just to make the stuff, you know? So sometimes the percentage can be lower for us on that stuff, just because we're already on the hook for a decent amount out of the gate. But I still think there's room to, to, you know, oversee something that could do a lot of good with the more people who buy into it. Yeah. Now I think too, Josh, I think you guys have been victims of this like really stupid soccer purity test that exists amongst just fans. Like this is like, and we've talked about this before, especially Chief and I have encountered this in our FCC fandom. It's like there's this bizarre pirate code that is not explicitly written out anywhere in any way, shape, or form, but it's very easy to run afoul of it. Like if you ever hang a banner in your supporter section that you didn't hand paint, you're a terrible fan. You hate your team if you're doing that. It's just one of those rules. Um, if you're if you have a book or a printed list of lyrics for songs or chants, you're an absolute casual. Get out of here. You shouldn't even be a fan of the sport. There's all if these you, like little weird minefields. Your, if you allow your front office to put any of your supporters' things like on the jumbotron then you're betraying the fan code, you're fake. the pirate code. You're fake. You're what? classic. Yeah, yeah I, right? I can't even wrap my head around. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I'm a, I'm a fan. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big fan, you know. But when it comes to someone like saying, like, I'm a bigger fan than you. You're not a fan. I'm a fan. You know. Right. Um, that was something that I learned the hard way that you don't do because I don't like when it's done to me. And so I would rather it just be people love it and to whatever degree you love it love it and yeah. show up you know yeah. because you know the one thing that we were the most worried about when fc cincinnati went to mls even after we knew that we were getting the license was well now you'll be able to get fc cincinnati stuff everywhere right you can go to udf or kroger and get a shirt with the logo on it right so we have to go out of our way to try new things and something different because if we don't, people are going to go to Target and Meyer and all those other places to get 
a shirt with the logo on it. So we know that a lot of times, especially in a culture that's as hard to really crack the code on as soccer, what's going to resonate. But because we have that print on demand capability, we know we're throwing stuff against the wall to see what sticks and we can take it when it doesn't stick. We just don't like people picking it up and throwing it back at us. <laughs> There's Absolutely. a segment of people and like we screw out, we screw around a lot like on Twitter and online and stuff, just trying to have a good time. And there's a segment of people who just get really, really mad. But they see somebody just like being silly or joking around or, yeah. you know, being a little sarcastic or trying to do a bit that, you know, maybe doesn't land unless you have a certain sensibility. Yeah. And like, like you said before, like not everything, not, I don't laugh at everything that, that I see online either, but yeah. it's a, it's another type of person that, that gets like so mad about it that they have to, you know, yeah, screenshot know and they have to, yeah, 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 they got to right. comment on it. They got to yeah. so, go apologize to other fan bases, which, you, which again, oh, like is go, super go check shameful out the to me. One star reviews that Cincy shirts has gotten in the last seven days. Oh, just, just go, uh, just go uh, check that I'm, out. I'm absolutely going to do that. Well, we would <laughs> one star review something uh, important to Columbus, but like, I can't think of anything. There's nothing. How many damn yeah, NBA jam shirts can your company make? <laughs> Listen, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna crap on homage because they're no. They that's what this podcast product. is now. Oh, I wasn't no. even thinking. But, about, I wasn't even thinking about homage. But what's hilarious is they put out an like a an NFL jam shirt with NFL players. NFL Blitz when, already when exists, they are, and they own the license for NFL Blitz. Oh. But they went NBA Jam with NFL players. I'm like, oh. If there is a dead horse, get new material. It is tapping its hoof right now. So I gotta ask just before we, because you've been very generous with your time, we yes. don't want to keep you here too long. I gotta ask a little bit about the idea of Cincy shirts and just living on the razor edge of pop culture at all times. So, yeah. like, do you have like a text thread? That yes. is going 24 seven and you guys yes. never sleep. Like you wake up at three in the morning and it's like, wait, did something important happen? Is there breaking yeah. news over in the UK that we need to be a part of? <laughs> yeah. And I always tell people that um, the finished product you see, like there's probably 10, a thousand <laughs> times funnier ideas that we were like, we can't do that, that, that live in that text thread, but it's a, it's a Google chat thread. And, um, and yeah, it's active pretty much 24 seven. We have a very small team. I mean, like literally there's probably like six people on it that make up our owners, our sales guy, our PR and social media girl, customer service, and our two graphic designers. That's, that's the whole thread, but it is always like this just happened. What are we going to do? Right. The, the marathon was a nightmare. Sometimes people come to us, which again, I can't, it's a badge of honor that we wear that people are going, what, what's the shirt going to be for, you know, this marathon. So we did the floating <laughs> pig and the pig, the people at the pig to their credit signed off on it. We thought for sure they were going to say no. And to their credit, they did. And, and it's sold like gangbusters, you know, but then we also see like things coming down the pike, like, okay, Matt McLean's getting called up for the reds. Yep. He's going to be the guy everybody's talking about. They're about to have a huge series this weekend with the Yankees and wearing the city connect jerseys. So of course we had a, a city connect vibe, Matt McLean shirt that, that we're proud to say will be in the pro shop for sale on Friday nice. for the homestand. Nice. But we were able to turn that around. Same thing I said before, you know, they told us like, 
look, we love Nike product, but they could never get us this shirt in 48 hours, you know? And so, um, yes, we're constantly figuring out what's going to happen. So I guess, uh, I guess my two questions would be question one would be, is there one that you decided that you had ready to go and you were like, you know what, we really shouldn't wade into this particular issue. There are, I'm struggling (laughs) to think of an example, but there's, there's, yeah, there's for various reasons, you know, one that's like, listen, like, even if we, you know, try to say that, you know, we're going to do this to raise money, it just doesn't feel like it's our place unless someone involved with it asks us to. Right. Yeah. Um, then there's other times where, you know, like the DeMar Hamlin thing is a perfect example. Like my partner and I were at the Bengals game when that happened and we were just sitting there. And while we were still in the stadium, the story about his toy drive GoFundMe was starting to go viral. I looked at it. It was at like $20,000. And then 15 minutes later, it's like $500,000. Right. And so by the time that, um, you know, we were back to work the next day, we had kind of felt like that toy drive was doing what we would do, right? It was like uh, putting eyes on something to do some good in this like terrible situation. But we started getting so many emails and and messages on our social media, like, are you guys going to do something? Are you guys going to do something? He's still here in the hospital. And so we were like, I mean, yeah, we can put out something and and just see what happens, you know? And so we did firmly believing that all the good had already been done, you know? And then sure enough, Ted Karras is wearing our five, one, three shirt in an interview at his locker. When people are asking Mm -hmm. what it's like to go back to practice for the first time. And then that picture goes viral. And then our shirt goes viral. And then the ESPN reporter and the NFL network reporter who were positioned, uh, in town just at the hospital to give live updates said can i get one and then four days later you turn on nfl network and michael irvin kurt warner rich eisen and um steve marici are wearing our shirt at the desk of nfl network in four days and we raised seventy five thousand dollars on something that we thought was like a bit of an afterthought but kind of what we do we're going to do it anyway in case someone cares right And so there's moments like that, that will always sort of push us over the line. If we're teetering on it of, if it can do some good, we're using a mechanism that we built to donate money that we would not be able to donate if we didn't have that mechanism. Right. There were people that said, I can't believe you guys are capitalizing off DeMar Hamlin. And it's like, we're not, we're, we're this particular one. And we make it known for the ones every penny above what it cost us to make the shirt went to that fund because we didn't feel right making any money off of it. Same with the Cincy strong, the Cincy strong, when the, uh, the shooting happened at fountain square at fifth third, we didn't feel like there was any scenario where we would, we should make any money. It was a bring the city together kind of thing. Yeah. So we gave half to the victims families and then half to the police association. Um, but then there's other times that it's helped us a lot. Fiona, she needed 24 hour care when she was born. The zoo did their own GoFundMe. They said, we're not sure she's going to live and we're doing a shirt. They did their thing after it had run its course. They said, if you guys still want to do a shirt, 
you can, but we did ours. <laughs> so we did ours. Fast forward to today, we've raised over $300,000 for Team Fiona through Fiona Merchandise. Again, a, a, something that we thought was an afterthought, but it all goes back to that print on demand, right? Yeah. We're not on the hook for a bunch of risk. It doesn't cost us anything to see if something's going to go. So if we're erring on one side and there's not some sort of moral dilemma, we're going to go for it. And if people like it, they like it. And if not, we'll wait till the next thing. Oh shit, man. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> now you guys have done some awesome work. Um, and I just want you guys yeah. to explain to me how I can tell by these Twitter comments, if Cincy and FCC, FCC fans and crew fans hate each other or love each other, because there'll oh. be times when I see people going back and forth and I'm like, these two people would throw hands if they were in the same room. And then there's other people. And I'm just like, I feel like they share this common bond. So is it, is it a rivalry <laughs> that like we're friends, but we're going to engage in this rivalry and talk smack to question. each other? Yeah. Or is there a genuine hatred for the crew fans, the way that we want to see their team lose, especially when they're playing our team? So obviously things took a turn when we were bad for like historically bad for three years. That was a problem. But I think you have, you have in Columbus, you have some Columbus fans that don't want to acknowledge us as a rivalry because they like their protected status as like the first MLS franchise and they're older. And so we're beneath them. We're, we're below rivalry status. And in Cincinnati, you have a fair number of FCC fans that were, crew fans before FCC. And so where they might have some bite, some venom online for a traditional rival, they're they're pulling punches against against the crew. Uh, but I will say for the majority of the fan bases, FCC fans don't like Columbus crew. Columbus crew does not like FC Cincinnati. But you'll see moments like that and there were some very connected FCC fans early on in some some SGs that had some pretty deep crew ties that that kind of took a lot of the venom out of that. That was disappointing. So yeah, okay. you're not I hate wrong their to online see that. fans. Yeah, yeah. I hate. I, I don't I, engage with them. I, I would never say something nice to them. No, I just I ignore it. them. And they show up in FC Cincinnati's mentions all the time. Yeah, because oh, they're yeah. upset. They're obsessed with us. But um, now I mean I have friends who are coming down from the game in real life who like, yeah, like they're crew fans, but you know, we're, we're friends, but yeah. Online. No, no, I'm not going to, yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say anything nice to any crew no. fans yeah. under any circumstances. When it comes we, to online, yeah. it's very much the Kevin Durant situation. I'm on 10 until I close the app when there's crew fans around, they need to relax. Um, That's great. The, uh, I think part of the issue is that, we were so bad for so long that it's really hard to chirp as part of a rivalry because you're always going to get back from them. Hey, you were the dead last place team for three years in a row and you've never won anything. We've won MLS Cup. And so it's going to the rivalry is going to be at here, I think, yeah. until FC Cincinnati accomplishes something. Yeah. And then once we accomplish something and you can't really say that anymore and it can be a little more back and forth there's only so many times that you can go to the well of you guys lost to a division two team on a header from a guy <laughs> that was 
signed on a free from the Kazakhstan Premier League. Like to me, that's devastating and there's no comeback yes. for that. But also there's a character limit for Twitter and I can't spell Kazakhstan. So I don't know that that really is going to work too well in terms of a, of a banter situation. But I think the rivalry will really take the next step if like FCC wins MLS Cup. And finally, it's like, hey, we're winning cups now. What are you guys doing? So I think they've come down to our level. Yeah, they shouldn't care about us at all. And the fact that they care about us at all is pretty embarrassing for them. It means we're winning. They they should they should they should snuggle up with, you know, all their with their MLS cups. Instead, they're (laughs) instead they're, you know, adding FC Cincinnati on Twitter. People forget the first time we played this rivalry game, their fans tried to fight Greg Berhalter. Like that's true. He came out oh, to apologize, right. and their fans were trying to take swings on him. Yes, <laughs> that's right. It's a good that's moment right. in American soccer history. <laughs> well, I will, I will, um, I will say this before we wrap up. I can't stress enough that even to this day, our goal is to make apparel that resonates with hardcore fans and casual fans. We are a t-shirt company we make t-shirts like there's there's nothing more to it than that and i know when it um when the topic of a t-shirt is about something that you care as as deeply about as as a lot of fans do um i understand that you want it to be perfect when it's you know representing something that you care about but know that it's never done without the the best intent of like hoping that people like you guys are are going to like it. And that um, while we've learned to not engage uh, in the negativity when it does come our way, you know, we're, we're not, we're not Delta that when you say something to our Twitter account <laughs> that people, people that, it, you know, there's people that are hurt by like those kind of things, you know, like it's like real people in this city reading that it's not just a, a faceless like big brand so be patient with us we're always open to suggestions we'll work with anybody that wants to work with us and uh hopefully uh we can move on from this and continue to build because i mean as you guys are obviously aware uh being excited about this team at this level at this point in the season and and what the future might hold is so exciting so it's just like it's like you know, the, it's made all everything getting to here worth it um, to think about what hopefully is to come. And so uh, we hope that you guys will let us be a part of it. Absolutely. And in the future, if people are causing you problems and you don't want to engage in that negativity, just tag one of us on Twitter oh, and yeah. we'll, we'll fight for you. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm, yeah. I'm a firm believer in the concept that Twitter should have a fight button where you can press that and like somebody else will come to your defense, tag in so you don't have to get down in the mud. <laughs> I, I will be that person. We will be those people for you. So you can be positive as a company yes. and we'll get down in the weeds. It's I, our specialty. I want to co-sign that as well. And like, if people want to have criticism, sure, let's keep it in-house. We don't need to be apologizing to other fan bases or or making excuses or, or doing anything that gives any credit to anybody else. Uh, no, I found you guys to be uh, an incredibly friendly and open company <laughs> and group of people. And um, 
Yeah, I, I don't think that there's any reason why anybody should be a, agreeing with a crew fan or, God forbid, a Nashville fan. Nashville fans, they literally have a Christian rock musician <laughs> dress up as Moses before every game. <laughs> they do a stupid sponsored guitar oh. riff of the game. They did a printed Tifa one time of Tim Howard as like their way of trashing, t- talking trash. It's just like the worst fan base. You do not need to be agreeing with these people. All right, let's keep that in house since you shirts you guys are doing awesome stuff um josh i don't know if you want to plug anything i know you've got a uh, an event coming up tomorrow by the time this posts i i mean whatever you want to plug <laughs> or, or push uh, uh by all means i it, this is coming out tomorrow oh, i'm gonna post it tonight i got a long okay. night ahead of me <laughs> all right um well if you get this and you're interested uh and you're not one of the aforementioned hecklers I am doing a comedy show, which I don't do very many local shows because I, I want it to mean something when I do. Um, but this Thursday, May 18th at uh, 730, I'm doing the Madison Theater in Covington. And uh, 100% of the ticket sales go to the uh, Y'all's Youth Baseball Organization here in hmm. Northern Kentucky. Uh, my son plays on one of the teams. And so uh, we're doing a fundraiser and it's going to be a really fun, awesome show. And if you're into comedy, you got nothing going on Thursday before the big weekend um, at TQL. Come come see the comedy show and, and donate and uh, donate some money to the kids baseball. <laughs> and of well, course, awesome. uh, Cincy shirts. Um, yes. Uh, you know. If you like it, we're that we're open. And if you're not, if you don't, then uh, great. And keep that to yourself, then. Yeah. Yes. You know, I, I, don't I, I, I know we're get, I know we're wrapping up, but one of the things I did uh, this weekend was uh, I went to Reddit and um, I just oh, I looked no. at the you know it's easy to see the entire history of the Cincy shirts mentioned on the Reddit thread, and you could you could see in the very beginning like. There's a there's a company downtown and they're selling FC Cincinnati stuff. Everybody go and then just slowly make your way to modern day where it's like anyone but Cincy. It's just hilarious and and I can take it all with the grain of salt and we have what a good sense of humor about stuff. But uh, yeah, it's, it's what's been, what's it's what's been... the old saying? You either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the become villain. The villain. <laughs> yeah. Well, a friend of a friend of FC Cincinnati and probably you guys that I won't name. Uh, did tell me uh, over the weekend that uh, he said a wise man once told me if you don't have haters, you're not doing it right. So hey. maybe we're doing something right. We are the most successful podcast in history in that regard. We're, we're doing just fine, man. <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys so much. I really thank you. appreciate it. Oh, you Josh, thank you. This was so much fun. And we're back. And again, huge thanks to Josh for coming on the show and uh, for touching on subjects that I don't know. I feel like a lot of business owners wouldn't want to touch on. He, he drove headfirst into that. I will can, give can, full credit there. Can I say, too, that at this point, if you're walking around TQL Stadium with a FC Cincinnati first point shirt, I feel oh, like that gets you dapped up now. That absolutely. You, that you bought that and that you own that. I was regretting not buying it during that conversation. I was like, damn, that thing has like a legend unto itself. Yeah, if I was in line <laughs> at the the bar behind the Bailey or at the Coors Light bar and the person next to me was wearing an MLS first point shirt, I don't know that it's an, it's at the level where it's like you're getting your beer from me, but it's going to be acknowledged and I'm going to give you a hell yeah for that. Yeah.
It's good. It's a good deep cut. Uh, I was also I was digging back through the archives. If anybody has this shirt, I'm in love with this shirt. This was a T-shirt where the image was Jimmy McLaughlin wearing a shirt of Andrew Wiedemann wearing a Jimmy McLaughlin T-shirt. <laughs> so good. They could have sold more than like 10 of these. But I rediscovered that and was like, damn, I really wish I had bought this shirt. That's so good. <laughs> I wanted to pitch him on making a new GB shirt. Like, <sighs> just that there should always be a GB shirt available for FC Cincinnati fans at all times. I was told recently that uh, I could get my shirt customized to say GB. And that that was going to be a special exception. <laughs> they really don't like doing things like that. So, <laughs> oh, no, that was a great conversation. And yeah, if you're still holding resentment for those guys, uh, you're, you're I don't know. You're wrong. So that's that's all I have to say about that. Montreal comes to town on Wednesday, the game that not a single person is talking about or is hyped about. And yet, Chief, this is the one game where somebody on this podcast has bothered doing what I'm going to go ahead and call research. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I will probably be the first person in a long time that has attended back to back Montreal games, both home and away. Um, <laughs> That is hard to do. Actually, so what do you guys, really what do you guys want to know about Montreal? Because I had no idea what was going on at this game because everything was being shouted at me in French. So I actually did watch this game. Um, yeah. They, there uh, was a fight? There was a red card? Did that impact Montreal? Was that a red card for Toronto? It was a red card for Toronto. Okay. And the game changed immediately as soon as the red card was issued where mm. the scoreline sort of flatters Montreal because they absolutely turned it on. Once the uh, the red card got given in this match, it was a it was a silly red too. It was for throwing a ball away or kicking a ball That's away. That's right, yeah. And um, it ended up being a second yellow that led to a red. I was not all that impressed with Montreal. Um, mm. They seem to uh, they seem to want to play almost a similar style to DC United, where coming down the wings and just bomb the ball into their big striker, play a little bit of hold up play there. This does not look like a Montreal team that I think is going to give us another one of those crazy Montreal <laughs> games where nine goals get scored. So yes. if, you're, if you're looking for that on your Wednesday, I, I if it happens, God love it. But I, I just don't see it happening with this team. So I feel good about this for FC Cincinnati. My concern is that as a fan, I kept forgetting this game was happening. Right. And I'm just, I'm just going to assume that the people paid on this team don't care as much about the Columbus rivalry as we all do so that they will not be overlooking this particular game because they're professionals and this is a game they have to play. Yeah. Grayson is obviously the club wants to sell out hell is real. And that is absolutely the focus here. And you don't want to wait until Wednesday night to be pushing your, you know, the biggest home game of the year that isn't a knockout game. I think that's very fair to say. Um, but do, do, do you have any fears that this is trickling down to the club? Is Noonan overlooking this game? Are we rotating the squad after a bye week? Yeah, I mean, I do worry. about. I just worry about squad rotation because you have yeah. Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday coming up. With the right? Open Cup again, right. Or no, Tuesday. Wednesday, Saturday, Tuesday, oh, Saturday. 
It is. So it's Red Bulls and they're a pain to play against. Yeah. I mean, I you could probably rotate against against Red Bull a little bit more, just given how they play. Yeah. You probably don't want to come out, you know, guns blazing and let that game develop be more conservative. But I mean Brenner's already not available against right. Montreal. Hopefully he's available against Columbus. I'm not holding have, my breath. I yeah, I have questions. I mean, I have doubts. Um, Montreal is like pretty healthy. I mean, they're they're missing Samuel Piet and Mason Toy, but they haven't had them for a while. And yeah. Montreal's four wins in a row. Yeah, four or five even. Yeah, with yeah. you include the Canadian Championship. Yeah. So um, I mean, so he, yeah. it feels it feels like a it feels like a trap game. Uh, it feels like it's going to be tougher than. That maybe we thought a couple of weeks ago when we saw Montreal on the schedule. Yeah. Um, you have Alvaro Barreal. That's as the we've one been I want to talk out, about. You know, yeah. like one yellow away from uh, from us from missing. Hell is real. How do you manage that? Do you not play him this game? Is he a super sub? Do you tell him to be a professional and not get a yellow? I mean, you could start. You could start Arias. Arias is available. Start Arias on the right, Gaddis on the left. You know, yeah. see how see how that's see how that works, and then you could bring in. I just don't think Barrial later if you need to. I don't think you can ever be afraid this early in the year of yellows. Like I understand that the I'm Columbus, not afraid. I'm just you have to rotate. You can't play. You can't play your your best eleven Wednesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. Right. Yeah, but I don't. I, the the squat the game to rotate Barrial is obviously the Open Cup game. Like you don't want Barrial playing in that one. Yeah, but, but you can't play the same play. 11 guys Wednesday and Saturday either. Man, Barrio did play, and again, we had the bye week coming up. He did play in the Open Cup game on Wednesday last week. I think you're playing Barrio in both these two games. I think you're playing him against Montreal, and I think you're playing him against Columbus. He's young. Mm. Like, he's a guy where it's like, you know, I don't think you can sit there and be afraid of him getting a yellow. He's not the guy to rotate. There's other guys I think that you would consider rotating before you would rotate Barrio, I think. Even risking the yellow? I just Do think you it's, want... too, it's too early in the year to worry about it because if he gets a but yellow, it's in Columbus. Columbus. If he gets a yellow in Columbus, he also misses a game. So like, yeah, it's yeah. like it's it's too early to care. All to the team and to the people doing the math. It's like I understand that as fans, I want to beat Columbus. I want this more than anything else. Like <laughs> I I I need them to beat Columbus. I can't deal with this again if they don't. Having said that. If you lose against Columbus, it's the exact same on the schedule as losing to Montreal. They're the 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 loss counts exactly the same. Yeah. All right. But I want to beat Columbus. <laughs> Look, I'm not going to be mad if they if they rest Barrial and they rotate Barrial to make sure that he can play against Columbus. But like I will be mad if they do that, they lose to Montreal in a game that otherwise would be winnable. I mean, right. look, Mar Montreal is no slouch. They've won six straight games if you count their Canadian competitions. Like, they're mm. playing decent soccer right now. They just aren't the same Montreal that's going to go out and drop five or six goals on you that they have been over the past couple of years, I don't think. Yeah. Now, what made them so good, especially last year, was Wilfred Nancy, who is the Columbus Crews head coach and who is dropping four or five goals on teams. So yeah. I just, uh, <laughs> I don't want to lose them. So I, we were doing this math uh, again in the discord. 
I am lucky enough that I was able to to see the win in Nippert behind closed doors in 2020. But the last time anybody would have seen FC Cincinnati beat Columbus in a general admission ticket would have been when GB won. Yes. Am I wrong about that? No. Yeah. Right. No, you're right. You're right. But we need to we talk need... about this. Is today is not about Columbus. Yeah. Yes. No. I don't. I today don't is about this. Montreal. This is about Montreal. See, look what you're doing. You're overlooking Montreal. We can't have I this. Have in this preview already. <laughs> the focus is on Montreal. Sure. Montreal is real. I was there this past weekend. Allegedly, you know, if they declare independence, we might be able to kick them out of the league. I'm just saying. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm in. <laughs> Move them to Vegas. <gasps> now we're talking. The Vegas impact. Uh, so, predictions then. Let's go there. Grayson, what are you thinking for this game then? Since we have no clue who or what we'll be playing. 2-1 <laughs> victory to the FC. Whoa. Not the CF. Not the CF, not Club de Foot de Club Montreal. De foot. Rex Ryan's favorite team. Um, uh, this feels like a draw. I don't know. I just have this. I have a, it's got draw energy going into it. So I'm going to say. I'm going to say the 1-1 one, one draw. I'll be the bad guy. 2 nothing Montreal. I think trap game. Springs its trap on this one, and it's a mm. disappointment. You might say it's a trap draw. I would not, <laughs> <laughs> because that would be gimmick infringement. And we don't do that on this podcast. <laughs> Unlo- we like Cincy shirts. Make sure that we respect the trademarks of other people. Yes, yes. We've <laughs> we'll explore all intellectual property rights before cracking any and all jokes. Uh, so there you have it. That's that's how this will go down. Um, is there anything else from this game that we are missing? Uh, and that is a good point, though. We will be doing another episode this week. I guess we'll we'll point that out. Um, what are we at? Two hours into this podcast, uh, we will be doing another one uh, that'll come out on. I think we said Friday uh, will be the uh, the next release date. So we will be doing a proper Hell Is Real preview plus a. Uh, review of the montreal game this week uh, but otherwise i think it's a postcast fuck columbus and montreal and montreal we're not overlooking them no we're not overlooking them fuck them All of the music in this podcast was done by Jim Trace and the Makers, an amazing local Cincinnati band. You can find more information about them in the description of this episode. Also, be sure to check out The Post Cincy at thepostcincy.com. That's where we're posting our written content. You'll find a wide range of content there posted regularly. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating or review on your favorite podcast app, or better yet, share this episode with a friend, a family member, a fellow FC Cincinnati fan, somebody you think might enjoy this content, please send it on over 
uh, to them. We would really, really appreciate that. And if you haven't done so already, we do have a Discord server. Feel free to drop in and join the conversation happening there. Again, links to that can be found on the website or in the description of this episode. Thank you so much for listening.